Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed your word and your will to us. Um, we pray for Dan as he preaches today. We pray that you would give him the wisdom um, and the right words to expound on the scripture and that your words will nourish us and enable us to live as you intend us to. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our scripture reading today is Psalm 136. Um, this is a special passage. Uh, it's meant to be read, done as a reciprocal reading, where uh, I'll, I'll say the first line and then you guys say the second line, which is just the same. It's His love endures forever. So if we can do that, that'd be great. So Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, to him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance an inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Great. If you can keep that passage open, that will be great. Uh, we'll be, uh, I'll be preaching from that today. Um, welcome. Uh, let me add my welcome to Simon's. It's great that we can be here uh, together today. Uh, my name is Daniel, if I haven't met you. Um, and in the last little while, I've been thinking a little bit about Christians uh, and how the world thinks of Christians, uh, particularly, you know, as I think our society is changing and changing its view uh, to Christians. Uh, one of the things I think that most people sort of uh, agree with about what Christians are supposed to be like um, is that Christians aren't supposed to be grumpy. I haven't heard of people saying, oh, Christians, oh, they're grumpy. Or well, maybe they do say that, but they're not supposed to be grumpy. Um, Christians are not supposed to be complaining people. Um, these are not the characteristics of what Christians are supposed to be like. We're supposed to be thankful, aren't we? Christians... Um, are supposed to be a grateful and thankful people and it should raise concerns for us if we are not thankful. 
Um, But my question is, what does it look like for us to be thankful? What does it mean for us to be thankful? Why should we be thankful? Why is this sort of a given about what Christians are supposed to be like? Uh, That's what our psalm is all about today, thankfulness. And so I'm going to pray for us as we we dig into it. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word um, and for the life that it gives us and the truth that is in it. Um, Please be with us today as we hear what you are saying to us from it about thankfulness, that we might be thankful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, The first thing, as we look at this psalm, uh, well, I think the first thing that you sort of notice is that it's quite repetitive, his love endures forever. We'll get to that in a little bit. But the very first thing that the psalm says, um, the very first thing it says about thankfulness very first thing in verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to God. We're at point number one, give thanks to God. See, those are the very first words. That word, um, give thanks to the Lord, that Lord is a translation of God's personal name, uh, often referred to as Yahweh, um, but it's His personal name. And so as we think about giving thanks, the very first thing that this psalm wants us to know is that we're giving thanks to God. It's not directed to an abstract concept. It's directed to Him, a person. Give thanks to the God of gods. Verse 3, give thanks to the one true Lord. And this is an imperative. It's a command. It's an instruction. Um, And it's a command that's implied throughout every single verse. So it's repeated in verse 1, 2, and 3, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks um, to, to God, to, um, to the Lord, to God, to the Lord. But that's implied for every other verse going through the rest of the psalm. So, for example, in verse 4, um, it's implied that we're supposed to read it as, or think of it as, give thanks to Him, to God, uh, to Him alone who does great wonders. Or verse 5, give thanks to God who by His understanding, dot, dot, dot. And it's all the way through the psalm. And we know that because, well, that's how it starts, but also that's how it ends. If you look at the final verse, what does it say there? Uh, It's very explicit. Give thanks once again to the God of heaven. Um, So give thanks over and over and over again. It's quite a simple concept, isn't it? Uh, My son Elijah, he's learning lots of things. Socially, he's learning heaps of different things, and he's learning how to interact. Um, and so as he grows, Jess and I and everyone else is, are teaching him um, how, to, how to live and how to act well. Um, and one thing that he, he's being taught is how to say thank you. Um, it's not natural for a child to say thank you, um, but it's very simple to teach. And he's picked it up really easily. Um, you know, you give him something and you say, say thank you, thank you, um, and, and it happens. It's pretty straightforward. Um, but often when you give him something and he says thank you, he's said thank you and he's already walked away or he's already turned around or he's already distracted. And so he's not really saying thank you to whoever gave him something. Like he's not really saying thank you to his mother or his grandfather or whatever it is. Um, he, he's, just, he's just saying the word because he knows it's, it's what he's supposed to do, but he's not directing it to any recipient. And so we need to tell him, Elijah, when you say thank you, look, look, look at your mum. Look at your mum and I say thank you. And then it's like, thank you, mama. And then he looks, at, looks to her. But that's what this psalm is doing. It's encouraging us not just to say thank you, but to say thank you to God. To look at God and to say thank you, God. 
And so as we reflect on our own lives, as we think about um, thankfulness in our lives, are we thankful to God? Is our thanks directed to God? I don't know what that might look like for you, um, but I was sort of thinking about thankfulness as I, as I wrote this sermon, um, and I looked at some, some um, illustrations or some ideas on the internet, um, and I, I, there's a slide coming up. Um, here's an example from Instagram. Um, next slide. Is that okay? oh, oh, it's not there. Okay. Hang on, maybe. Is there a next one? No, okay. Don't worry. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Okay. And so I looked up on Instagram um, what people are thankful for or how they say thank, uh, what they say thanks for. And I say, it's been two years today that I was going, uh, I was given a second chance. Thankful. Hashtag thankful. Um, so who is this person thankful for? Two or thankful, for, like we know what he's thankful for, uh, second chance, but we don't know who his thanks is directed to. Um, and there's another slide. Thankful that there are no Legos for me to step on. Now I can resonate with this quite a lot, but once again, who is his thankfulness directed to? Um, maybe it's a person, the, the child who packed up or something, maybe it's to God, maybe it's just thankful in general. But it's not very clear who the thanks is directed to. Um, we can move on to the next slide, thanks. Um, when we think about thankfulness from a Christian point of view, um, our thankfulness from this psalm is first and foremost directed to God. Um, I know someone who deliberately uh, makes this explicit as he says thanks. He says something like, um, he'd say something like, I'm, I'm thank you um, for Crescens for the way that you read the Bible today. Or I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, to, sorry, I'm thankful to God for the way that you read the Bible today. I'm thankful to God for the musos who led us in, in song today. I'm thankful to God for his provision of whatever it is. I'm thankful to God. Thankfulness directed to God. Now this example and our psalm today, they've caused me to think about my thankfulness. Uh, and it's caused me to be more thoughtful um, or try to be more thank- thoughtful about how I direct my thanks and praise. Maybe that's something that we can think about um, today as we, as we keep th- thinking through this psalm. Um, and now it's, it's quite clear that we're commanded in this psalm to give thanks to God. Um, but what are we saying thanks to God for? We need to know what we're thankful for. Not just thankful to, but also thankful for. Why praise and why give thanks to God? Well, as we go through this psalm, there's a whole bunch of reasons, heaps and heaps of reasons. Um, and I'm going to summarize those reasons under two headings. Firstly, um, we give thanks or praise to God because he is the God of creation. That's the first one, he's the God of creation. But also, secondly, because he's the God of history. We'll say it, God of creation, that's great. Um, and so, we give thanks to God because he made everything. Now, this is a, a common concept for the people who've um, been at church for a while. He, he makes the sun and the sky and everything in it. In verse 5, that's what it says. We give thanks to God who by his understanding made the heavens. Jump down to verse 7. We give thanks to God who made the great lights. Um, his love endures forever. Verse 8, the sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. In verse 9, the moon and stars to govern the night. This makes us think of creation way back in Genesis 1, of day 2 and day 4. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, the days and the years. 
we thank and praise God because he is the creator. We see this idea throughout this psalm, even again in verse 6, God is the one who uh, spread out the earth upon the waters. That's also day three of creation from Genesis. Praise and thanks are lifted to God because he is the God of creation. Now, creation is no mean feat because no one else can do it. That's what it says in verse 4. No one else can do it. To him alone who does great wonders. God has not just something, done something great. Creation is something that no one else can do. And so that deserves praise. That deserves thanks. We're commanded, give thanks to God as the creator. We're also commanded to give thanks to God of history. Now, the God of history. That is, everything happens as part of God's plan. God is in control of every single action in history. It's like what it says in Romans chapter 8. All things are for his plans and purposes. Romans chapter 8 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so Psalm 136 is repeating that idea and expanding on it. It's singing this idea. Psalm 136 is recounting God's um, the history as God's actions. It looks at history and thinks of it as God's actions. It describes what happens as God's decrees. And we're commanded to give thanks for both the big and the small, uh, the miraculous and the mundane. We're commanded to give thanks to God for his actions in all of these things. Verse 13 Give thanks to God who divided the Red Sea asunder. His love endures forever. Verse 14, give thanks to God who brought Israel through the midst of it. His love endures forever. God saves the whole nation from slavery. Thanks, God. That's great. But also in the mundane, verse 25, give thanks to God who gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. What happens in history, both miraculous and mundane, are all part of God's actions, uh, making him worthy of our praise, making him worthy of our thanks. Did you notice, though, that it's not just when things work out the way that we hope that we are commanded to give thanks? It's not just when um, the captive slaves are freed or when uh, we get food on the table. We're commanded even to give thanks to God when things aren't how we necessarily expect them to be, like when a child dies. Did you see that in verse 10? Give thanks to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. His love endures forever. Psalm 136 is recounting what God has done in history and he calls us to praise him. Now some of these events seem very odd and very bizarre and very wrong to thank God for. Striking down the firstborn in Egypt. Slaying kings in verse 17, 18, 19 and 20. 
destroying an army. Verse, verse 15. Give thanks to God who swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love endures forever. Well, how does that work? How do we reconcile this? These events that are horrible and seem horrible, and in, in and of themselves, I think they are horrible. Yet we're to praise God? Now, this psalm isn't saying that killing is right in absolute. Um, we have to consider the context, don't we? We have to consider the bigger picture, what's going on. But before I explain the context, I want to talk about these horrible and painful circumstances. Um, and not just these ones, but the ones that we experience. Because this psalm is talking about very specific events, um, and it's describing and explaining them. For us in our personal experiences, our own experiences, they don't always match up with what this psalm is saying. And we might not be able to always understand why or how God is in control when there are some horrible events in our lives. Even in the sad, even in the painful, in the difficult, in the wrong, it is horrible when injustices happen. It is wrong when innocent people die. That is horrible and it is sad. And when that happens, you don't need me to give you all the examples. You know the examples yourself. When these things happen, we should mourn. This psalm isn't saying don't cry. This psalm isn't saying don't mourn. No, no, no. We should mourn and we should cry when those things happen to us personally. That is the right response. You don't have to look very far in the, in, the, in the book of Psalms to see that there are many psalms of lament to help us express our grief when injustices happen. There's a whole book of, of Job um, where, where the, that whole book is like, I don't know, 50 chapters of wrestling with unjust suffering. Even Jesus cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so in times of pain and anguish, we can and we should cry out to God. But that doesn't mean that God isn't in control. Because you see, what's happening is that there's a parallel narrative running through history that God is working through. And that takes us back to the context of this psalm. You see, killing and, and death of innocent is wrong and it is sad. But there's a narrative in which there is a rightness to it. Um, and Psalm 136 is telling us that narrative. The events here are not just some random events that have happened that, that the psalmist has just gathered together. No, this psalm is recounting events um, and explaining them in a sequence in a storyline, in an arc that matches the whole story of the Bible. And the story through Psalm 136 and, and indeed the whole Old Testament and the whole Bible, it begins with God in creation. That's what we've seen here as well. And not long after creation, God's people are enslaved in slavery. They're oppressed by Egyptians. 
And as an oppressed people who are enslaved, God rescues them. He rescues them and he punishes the oppressor in his justice. And he establishes his people with the land and their inheritance. And he frees them from oppression. He frees them from slavery and he saves them salvation. Salvation because God is good. Because God is good as he saves his people, as we sung earlier, he deserves praise and thanks. So how do we give thanks? How do we understand and give thanks to God in all things, um, even when it may seem to be good or bad or horrible? Well, we need to look at things from God's perspective, remembering his narrative and his ultimate storyline. His narrative is a narrative of salvation, Now, this is a bit of a trite illustration, but we'll give it a shot and we'll see how it goes. It's a bit like when you go to the dentist. Now, you're lying back, your mouth is open. Daniel, I've got some bad news for you. There's a big cavity at the back. You know what happens? The drill comes out. Gripping onto the chair. The drill goes in, cleans it all out. Oh, the pain. Is it painful? Yes. Is it dreaded? Yes. Is it good? No. Well, well, also yes, isn't it? Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's painful. But I'm thankful that each, or, and I mean the dentist, um, cleans out the cavity and does a good job filling in um, the cavity because of the bigger picture, isn't it? Because of the bigger thing that's happening. My dental health will now be significantly improved. Um, I'm saved from a much worse pain later on. And so while it might be, and it really is painful in the short term, in the long term, there's a bigger story going on, and it's a good story. My health is improving. Psalm 136 is saying that through history, in all things, God is working for our good. Even if sometimes how that is happening or why it's happening this particular way is beyond our comprehension. We can be certain that from the magnificent heights of creation to the unfolding of his plan to save his people, God is in control and he is to be thanked and he is to be praised. Now we know that these themes and these ideas are true not just for the Old Testament, as this psalm is, but ultimately because for us as well, because they're fulfilled in Jesus. You see, the story arc, the narrative that I've mentioned before, the narrative through all of time centers on Jesus. Now, we can see this, uh, for example, in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, just like our psalm, begins in creation. And so in verse 16, you can see it on the screen, it says, in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. 
Now, why is everything created for Jesus? Why did Jesus create everything? If you keep going in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, it says that through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so we can give thanks. We can say give thanks to God for the blood shed on the cross, a horrible execution of an innocent one, the innocent person. Why? Because we know that this is part of God's plan for salvation for his people. And that's what we're seeing in Psalm 136. Thank you. We can go back to the next slide. A command to give thanks to God, the God of creation, the God of history. We know that this history is true for us too because it's ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so that through him, through Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory, to the thanks, to the praise of God. God's promises are filled in Jesus so that we can praise God. We can give him glory. We can give him honor. We can give him thanks. We can say amen to what God is doing in history in all things. And so we can do what this psalm commands us to do. Give thanks to God in all things. As we think about his narrative, as we think about his plans and purposes. So for example, I did well academically. Thanks be to God. Why? Not because I succeeded, because that's my glory. Think about the narrative, God's narrative arc. Perhaps I give thanks to God because um, he's, used my, he's used my studies uh, to grow my understanding, my love of him. Perhaps it, makes me, it helps me better understand the world that I can better love and serve him. I've better understood how things function so I can serve God's people better. Or perhaps it was, I give thanks to God if I do well academically, because despite all the pressures of the world, um, through my exams, God kept growing me in godliness. He kept allowing me to use my studies as, uh, as a way to grow in godliness rather than an excuse to be ungodly. Or maybe another example. We give thanks to God when we have a meal. Why? Is that just because the food satisfies us? Maybe, but surely there's more to it than that. As we think about God's narrative, his plans and his purposes, why do we give thanks to him for that? Perhaps it's because God has provided for us and it reminds us God provides for us in everything, so we're thankful to him. Perhaps it's because as we eat this food, we know that we have energy to love and serve others as God intends for us. Perhaps it reminds us that God is the sustainer of everything. Perhaps it points us to the banquet of heaven that is to come and we can look forward to it and say, thank you, God, for this hope that we have in heaven that I'm reminded of as we share this meal together. Now, all these are good reasons to give thanks to God for the food that he has given us. 
But as we think about this narrative, as we think about all of this sort of stuff, why should we be giving thanks to God? What is it about God's narrative and God's plans and God's purposes? What is it about them that is deserving of thanks? God could be a selfish overlord, couldn't he? He could have overarching plans and overarching narrative um, for harm and destructions, and so he doesn't deserve praise and thanks. But no. God's narrative, his plans, his purposes for the world, all express, they all flow out of his character of love. That's why he is to be praised. God's character is love. And we're on the last point. It's quite a a famous verse. Uh, 1 John chapter 4 says, God is love. Love is so intrinsic into who God is and his being. God, love, they go together. You think about it, faithfulness, committed, eternal. All these words describe God. Now you notice that this psalm is written as a call and a response. I mean, you guys did a great job of... um, Repeating, his love endures forever. That's exactly how this psalm was written. That's exactly how it was supposed to be said or read or sung. Um, A leader, a priest, or I don't know, whoever it is, um, says the first half of each verse, just as we did, um, and then the whole congregation responds, his love endures forever. Every statement about God the Creator, his love endures forever. Every statement about history, his love endures forever. Now, it seems a bit repetitive, doesn't it? I don't know how you felt when I, when I was reading. I was like, oh, it's a bit repetitive. But that's the point. You see, it's drumming into us that God's steadfast love is the driving motivation behind everything that he does. Behind every event in history from God's point of view is love from God. Whether it's creation at the beginning salvation that we see fulfilled in Jesus to the food that we eat. It's all an expression of God's love to us. Give thanks to God, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the creator, his love endures forever. He is created out of love. Give thanks to God of history, whose every action is an expression of his love to us. Give thanks to God whose narrative, his story arc over all of time is a story of his commitment, his faithfulness, his love and salvation. Now this shows us that God's love is not a gushy feeling on a whim that sort of comes here or there. It's commitment, it's faithfulness. It does difficult and costly things. It's a powerful motivation, isn't it? And so we can understand that our God loves us. His actions born out of his love for us. And so as we think about this world that we live in, as we just reflect on the week past, as we look forward to the week ahead, what else can we do but sing praises to our God? 
say thank you to him, give thanks to God, for he is the creator. Give thanks to God for what he has done through every event in history. Give thanks to God because it's all out of love. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love to us, your love that endures forever, your love that explains everything that you do. We thank you. We thank you that you have created everything out of love. We thank you that you are using every single event in all of history for your people and out of love for us. Grow us in thankfulness this week. In Jesus' name, amen.